morning. This is Chip with The Real Dirt, and on today's Dirt, I have Brian Weiss. Say hello, Brian. Hello, Chip. Hello, world. <laughs> hello. You know, uh, Brian is the brother of one of my really good friends, and, uh, you know, we're uh, he's been in the cannabis industry for a while. Brian runs L.A. Cannabis News, um, which is an information source for all things cannabis in L.A., Southern California. Uh, but but right now, Brian is stuck. I shouldn't say stuck. He is on sabbatical in Florida. <laughs> How you doing, Brian? I'm well, Chip. Thank you uh, so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, I'm glad we could put it together. Uh, you know, I... Uh, uh, I, I've I left California a number of years ago, but uh, you know it's it's always a warm place in my heart. We still own property there and 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 whatnot. And but something that people don't understand or realize is that if you want the best weed in the world, you go to L.A. to get it. I don't sure. care who you are, where you're at. You do not have the best weed in the world. They got it in L.A. though. Right. <laughs> it's they true. Do. Why, do. why do you think that is, man? I Well, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, and I think the San Fernando Valley actually has the best weed of Los Angeles. Why? Don't know. But uh, it just seems that they've perfected it. Maybe the, you know, the fact that normally you know, people think of Humboldt County, and a lot of that gets flown, you know, or flown or driven down to L.A., um and mass distributed and so uh and then other people have gotten the idea you know wow they have such good you know flower from up north i think we could produce that same flower down here and many growers have figured out how to and have successfully yeah you know just like all things there's like a, a flash that goes on in la you know and cannabis is the same way and 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 I feel that it's probably one of the most informed consumer markets in the world, even. Mm -hmm. Like in L.A., you could uh, – the, the, the random stoner can go into any, any dispensary and say, oh, no, man, that's Hell's Angels OG, not Fire OG, and I want <laughs> cookies OG, and this isn't – this is gelato, you know. Uh, it's just <laughs> it's a, funny you say that. Mm -hmm. I, I'm actually not to interrupt you. I, I – I have that same feeling from being someone a little bit older when I go into dispensaries and I have that pre-98 Bubba. I'm like, this isn't pre-98 Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> Those are just letters and words. This isn't it. <laughs> yeah, no no doubt. You know, the other thing about Southern California is, uh, man, it's, it's, it has brought the highest prices for cannabis um, historically. And because of that, like, you know, people like, you know, try to like bring their highest quality product to the marketplace. Not just anything will sell there, right? So you get this, you know, and this upper echelon curated cannabis in LA that might, you know, might be produced anywhere in California. It might be produced in Southern California, produced way up north in San Francisco, but it comes to LA for a reason because it's the best and people want the best. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Hey, Absolutely. what's what's the what's the what's the average prices for weed? <laughs> so it's funny you say that. You know, I I found that you know there are dispensaries in LA on the the legal side 
and it seems that most of them are charging between $25 an eighth to $90 an eighth. And then wow. you have the, the black market side where they keep it average between, you know, 35 and 50 an eighth. Now, when you say black market, uh, explain to the listeners what's going on in Southern California with the dispensaries. So there are hundreds, if not thousands, of dispensaries in L.A. Uh, only about 100 or so are actually legal. Um, but when you know we had Proposition 215, there was no really regulation on who was legal and who was not. Everybody claimed they were legal. As mm. Every year it seemed like they came out with another law. It said that these, uh, excuse me, these dispensaries need to shut down, but they just kept going. And when you know cannabis finally became legal, you know there were those that could survive and pay the taxes, and there were those that couldn't survive, but or actually, well, could still survive, but not charge the taxes. And um, you know, so the black market side is actually, for me, I feel that a lot of these illicit, I don't like to say black market, I like to say actually illicit market. You know, dispensaries I'm a are a private market guy. It's private. Private market guy. Yeah, private market guy. No taxes. Uh, market just yeah, friends. no taxes. They also have, to me, I feel like they also have the better product. I really do. I feel mm. like they have a lot better product. Well, they're open to far more growers that way. You know, that's true. Right. True. There's only, I mean, for instance, in, in, in Humboldt County, you know, <clears throat> to that, like, Seven, eight years ago, the government said there were 13,000 grows up there, right? Yeah, totally. Wow. And and now there's like a few hundred legal ones. Yep. You know, uh-huh. dude, that hasn't even touched the number of growers that are there yet. Yeah, totally. I also see that, uh, you know, in, in many cases at least, that it seems like, I mean, again, with the better product side, it's like when I go to a, a legal dispensary, a lot of the problem that I have, at least when I go there, is that you look at something in the jar that you can't touch and you can barely smell. And when you purchase it and you get home and you open it, a lot of the time for me, uh, without naming you know company names, there's a dried Bovita pack in there. And the product <laughs> is probably at least six months old. And, you know, and you think about it and you start tracing it. It's like, okay, well, this product came from a grower. And then it went to some warehouse somewhere. Then it went to some distribution center. Then it sat on their shelves yeah. for a little while. And then by the time yeah. it actually gets to the dispensary, it's not what the brand, you know, promotes. And with a, at least going with the black market side or the illicit or the private market side, um, you got to go in. You got to touch it. You got to feel it. You know, you got to know that you're getting a good product on the spot. Yeah, many people have said that that. Legal weed has uh, decreased the quality of cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. And the mechanization, mechanization of it, the like, man, those Gavita packs and the plastic un-air sealed bottles and just like breaking buds down into like tenth of a gram to sell it. Like, ah, oh, just all ruins it. It just ruins it all. Totally. I I totally agree with with that statement, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just totally agree. Mm. So, so let's talk about, uh, uh, LA cannabis news. Uh, what do you want to know? <laughs> tell, tell me, tell, tell me what, tell me what, tell me what it is. Tell me your story. Tell me, tell me how you, uh, figured, yeah, how you so, wanted to start this. 
Yeah, so I was looking for, about two years ago, I was looking for something to potentially invest in the cannabis industry as cannabis became legal in California. And I found myself searching dozens of uh, sites through Google. You know, I would type Mm -hmm. in cannabis news, Los Angeles cannabis news, Los Angeles marijuana news. And I would find, you know, dozens of different sources that carried different articles, great articles, um, but I couldn't find one source. And so I moved my search from finding something to invest in, you know, with my research of these, all these articles to, wow, is there any local cannabis news? And when I found out that there was no local cannabis news in LA, I was like, oh my God, how is this possible with so much going on here besides, you know, just legalization, but you have social equity and you have the illicit side of it and you have the regulations and the taxes and, you know, education and science and, you know, uh, medical stuff. And so I was like, someone needs to be covering this. And after finding out and figuring out that there was no local coverage for Southern California or for Los Angeles, I then started searching, wow, is there local coverage or, uh, you know, any of this in other states? And at the time, there was only um, the cannabis in uh, Denver, which quickly went out of business. And uh, I found that all of a sudden there was no local cannabis news other than, you know, local newspapers in Humboldt County or patch.com that had their own local coverage, but not in anything. Uh, post outpost. Yeah, there you go. Actually that one too. Right. Um, but there wasn't, I just didn't, I didn't, I felt like there was a need. And so I started LA cannabis news. I, I went on godaddy.com and LA cannabis news.com was available for a dollar 99. And I was yeah. like, I'm on to something here. <laughs> And uh, a year and a half later now, we've got about 30-plus thousand people on our site a month, about 50,000 email subscribers, which is awesome. And it's great because with LA Cannabis News, it was almost like our MVP. You know, we were able to test our assumptions and see that the market wanted and needed a local, you know, cannabis news source. So that's basically how we started. So, and I mean, this is this is a an online publication. Uh, how how often do you have an official uh, uh, official publication date or publication timeline, or just do it every day, or is it an on running blog? Like, what? How does it work? Yeah. So every day we uh, aggregate about ten to fifteen stories that mostly cover Southern California. Some stories do cover other parts of the country, just because it's important in the cannabis industry. Even if you're just in Los Angeles, to know what also is happening uh, around the country or even around the world. Um, so most of the time we do aggregate our stories. Uh, most of it is not original content. Uh, however. We do have uh, stories here and there that we want to cover, and we do have writers for that. Um, and every year, actually, which we just put out at the beginning of March, we do a top 50. Well, not every year because we've only been in business for two years, but we did it last year and we did it this year. Uh, we put out a product issue uh, covering brands that are not covered in other magazines. Uh, mm-hmm. What I mean by that, other magazines have a pay-to-play just like the retail yeah, right. does, and you've got to pay them money if you want to be in their magazine. And I saw that all these other magazines, mostly culture lifestyle magazines in the cannabis industry, uh, covered the same brands. You know, if you look at their top 10 this or their top 10 that, it was the same brands every single time. And I was like, well, what about all these other brands? There's so many other great brands out there. And so we did the research and – you know, this year we came up with 53 brands, and we put out a digital product issue, and we didn't review the brands because, in all honesty, half of them were good and half of them weren't. 
and but we put out you know the description about the brand. We gave them their social media you know links, their website, where to find these products, um, and you know and a nice little picture of the brand. And it's great because these smaller brands they can't afford to be in these bigger magazines. So for us, it was a right. uh, it's a good out you know outreach for these for these smaller brands to say, hey, look, we've got some press now. And so, yeah, so we, we put out this digital issue, but we mainly stick to uh, daily postings of about 10 to 15 articles a day. Oh, and we also have about 100 events on our site uh, at any given time for throughout Los Angeles and California that, you know, people can look for. Oh, so did you rank these products 1 to 50? No, you just – No, we just put them in alphabetical order. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, what were some of your favorite products? Um, to be honest, I'm a huge fan of 3C Farms. Um, they're out of Los Angeles. Um, they actually own also the Coast to Coast uh, dispensary in LA. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they just they put out quality product for uh, from the prices that I've seen in the in their dispensary at a, at a good price. Um, I like Golden Seed. They're a little on the higher side pricing wise, but uh, it's not Golden uh, Golden State. Excuse me, Golden State. Golden State. Uh, I like their products, and then uh, I like some of the edible companies that we. Uh, we used uh, like Plus Products. I like their edibles a lot. Kana, which is owned by uh, I think Thunderstorm, uh, they make fantastic gummies. And then on the vape side, uh, I'm a big Moxie 710 fan. I think they mm. do nice products that seem like they taste pretty good. I'm not an, a big vapor, but from the products that I tried, I, I like theirs the most. Yeah, we're ABX absolute. Oh yeah, vape we have them as well in there. Mm-hmm. We, uh, yeah. they're they're lucky because they're in the number they're the letter A so they appeared pretty quickly oh, in the magazine pretty, yeah, right right well they're pretty big I mean I su- I'm surprised yeah. they're not they weren't in like a the category of normal I mean of of the elite cannabis people that can advertise to play pay to play yeah it seems that you know as I explore ways of us making revenue um, that the bigger cannabis brands that are crazy outlandish. You know, mm-hmm. that just have millions upon millions of dollars to spend. Um, right. They'll they'll pay they'll pay to play. Um, it <laughs> seems like the smarter brands, even if they're bigger, um, they know that it's that there's no reason for them to pay to play because they're a fantastic brand and they can yeah you know, themselves and they'd rather get the better bang for their buck. Oh man, this is a great marketing lesson that we should put out there. You know, uh, I've go to dozens of trade shows. I've had for 20 years, all cannabis oriented. And there's this misnomer that if you're a new person, you need to come in and spend like shit tons of money at the trade show in order to get noticed, you know? And if you watch the bigger companies, like uh, the actual bigger companies, not the ones that Mm -hmm. seem big, they're not spending that much money, right? They've mm-hmm. got uh, some personnel. They've got maybe a, a, a larger booth than normal. But, um, yeah, the biggest people in the trade show industry, the biggest revenue producers, they actually are spend, spend like mid-tier and not yeah. like top-tier, right? Yep. And, and the top-tier spenders are often people who aren't that big but want you to think they're big. Right, oh, and yeah. they just happen to have the twenty or thirty thousand dollars to sponsor the banner and the, you know, the lanyards and the water cup and you know the big booth up <laughs> all front, the swag, all the swag, and you know it makes them feel it, it kind of makes them feel good. But man, you know the thing about the trade shows is the vendors—they're the customer there, yep. you know. So 
<laughs> and also, I see that a lot of these bigger companies, it's you're not as a as the customers are walking around booth to booth. You know, their potential clients. There's one guy or one girl that represents the company, and then they have promotional people that have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, totally. And totally. you know, it's like if you're going to spend that kind of money, you should bring out people that are going to help you get yeah. business as opposed to just you know someone to take a picture with. Well, there's not so much TNA as there used to be in our industry. I mean, it came over pretty hard when it in the trade shows when it first started ten or fifteen years mm-hmm. ago. That there was the 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 scantily clad uh, female or male there, and they were like yeah. you know trying to draw people in, and uh, man, there's still some of that, but in the hydro weed industry, it, it's mostly gone. Uh, to, uh, you know, the authentic reps are there, yeah. right? The people who own the yeah. companies and, you know, I, I should say there's a lot of that going on, right? I was just going to say that I think the the conferences that are more B2B have, mm-hmm. you know, have the right reps there. The conferences yeah. that are, you know, more B2C facing, they have that scantily clad, you yeah, know, right. Right. world there, right. which is no, understandable to a degree. You're, you're right. And, uh, uh, Interesting about cannabis is is now it's so much of it's B two B, and it used to you know I I am cultivate Colorado cultivate OKC we're one of the largest hydroponic shops in the country, and you know people have called me a home grow shop in the past and yeah man we help home growers all over the world blow out their closets and their basements <laughs> and, 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 you know, smoke good weed. But uh, mostly it's a business to business transaction we have. Most of, of our customers are in business for cannabis. Mm-hmm. Do you see, let me ask you a question. So as you just mentioned, you help, you know, clients blow out their closets and their basements. Do you see, and, and I sort of see this in my own personal opinions and views as the, industry grows and goes forward and goes backwards and then goes forward again, mm-hmm. that maybe home grow or home growers will become a, a thing of the future more and more people oh. will start growing at home. No, it's, as opposed it's now. To going to no, oh, it's, it's happening now. now. Oh, it's happening now, Brian. Check That's out what's it. happening, man. So like in, in all these states that have passed some sort of medical marijuana or even thought yep. about it, like Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, dude, there's people all over that state that are growing a little bit of weed now because of it. Nice. Solely because the, the, the perceptions change, people's morals mm-hmm. have changed, and, and hemp and CBD has helped a lot here. But, for instance, when Oklahoma went medical last year, they got 200,000 people that signed up on this registry to have recommendations from doctors wow. to buy at medical dispensaries. 200,000, dude. Same time, Missouri's having similar things going on. Michigan's having similar. You couldn't buy a grow tent in the country last year for six months. Crazy. I mean, not on time. You could order it. But like in yeah. the 110 lights, even up until recently, you couldn't get a 110 light because all the commercial people use 240, 277, right? It's all yeah, the yeah. home growers, they use the 110s. Yeah. So, man, uh, 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 home production's up here in Oklahoma, man, home production's huge, organic's huge, you know, people feel like, 
you know, organic is how weed should be grown and people mm-hmm. have these perceptions of it, which is great. You'll love it. And in, in Oklahoma, so many people are talking about organic. It's like Humboldt in the 90s. You know, like, <laughs> it ain't organic. It ain't shit. You know? Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that that's happening. I, I am a huge advocate of that. You oh, know, grow your own, man. Future. And, you know, the thing about growing your own is it, you get this pride from doing it and it doesn't matter if someone else grows better weed than you do or the dispensary grows different looking weed like for us i never trim my own personal weed here do i have some here like look look yeah it's just just oh that looks fantastic you know and i just like when i go to smoke it i just pull the leaves off you know it didn't look like the stuff in the dispensary (laughs) right but uh uh it, you know, it's there's just this like, man, this complete joy when you get to like plant a small seed or buy a clone, yeah. grow it and flower it, and then you have something that you can produce and that you're like, oh, I grew this. I put my love and energy into it. Um, it's also yeah. a learning experience. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You learn about the weed. Yeah. Uh, you know, learn about yourself. I've said this over and over again. I'm not sure who's cultivating who. Am I cultivating the plant or are they cultivating me? <laughs> It's a good right. thing. Man, I find so many analogies in it. Like, you know, every time something's going on with the plant, I find the same things going on in my business or personal life, too. That's cool. <laughs> that's, that's a, it's a great synergy to have. Oh, yeah, man. So, uh, hey, man, I think this is a perfect time for us to take a break. Let's take a break for one second. Uh, this is Chip with The Real Dirt. I'm speaking to Brian Weiss. We'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Chip from The Real Dirt. I'm sporting my Corona hairdo. Yeah, that's right. We're all going to have big hair after this. Uh, Hey, and I just want to let you guys know, man, that Cultivate Colorado, Cultivate OKC, we are still open and providing services to growers. Now, we're doing a little bit different right now. You have to call in your order. You have to email your order. But you can still come and pick it up at the shop. It's a will call type of situation. And uh, in some places, we can absolutely deliver. So uh, if you need some product, it doesn't matter if you need one light or a hundred, one bag of soil or a pallet of soil or a truckload of soil. Man, give us a call. We have huge stock right now. We always carry huge inventory of everything. And especially this time of year, uh, it's time to get started on that garden earlier. So call us up at uh, Cultivate Colorado, Cultivate OKC. You can look us up online, CultivateColorado.com, CultivateOKC.com. Talk to any one of our awesome, awesome people there, and they can help you. Thanks for joining us again here. We're back after our commercial break with the real dirt. Uh, yeah, you, uh, uh, you, you like, you like my, uh, you, you like my commercial style, Brian. I do. I like your commercial right. style. It's, it's very uh, personable. Very personal. You know, um, when I first started this, Hollis Carter, he asked me, he, he gave me the idea. He said, hey, Chip, do you think you can talk about weed for an hour? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how many days, right? Do you want me to talk nonstop? You know. Uh, but yeah, you know, we 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 talk to the customers all the time. It, it gives me like this. I, I mean, I'm talking to people all the time about weed. It's not just like someone's random conversation. And you are too. I mean, it's in the industry. It's what we do. Yeah. You know, we love it. We live it. We talk about it all the time. Absolutely. Some people talk about it more than others, but I agree. Yeah. Well, years ago, my, my wife said to me, there has to be some other conversation. <laughs> you, 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 you have to talk about something else different. And uh, I was like, wow, you're you're right. I do. And uh, so I started picking up some like hobbies. Right. And this mm -hmm. was like 15 years ago. And every couple of years I'll pick up a new hobby or try to teach myself something that I have absolutely no idea about. Right. Yep. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it challenges everything I do. It gives me this mental toughness because I'm like, you know, forced to learn about it. I've, I've forced myself and it's, you know, I'm out of my comfort zone. I try to pick stuff that's hard and difficult. And, you know, my, my most recent one was guitar. A couple of years ago, I picked wow. up a guitar. I think my and, brother did uh, too recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. We uh, we trade guitar licks back and forth. Aaron's actually, <laughs> you know, pretty good guitar player. He's, he played when he was younger. He's got all that number stuff going on inside his head. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, <Right>. totally. <laughs> He'd count better than us. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you, you got any hobbies, Brian? You do anything other than weed? Um, well, we were traveling, um, you know, for mm. a little while, which I really enjoy doing. I um, I've been getting into some cooking stuff lately. As soon as I, I actually get back to has. California, yeah, right. <laughs> that's a good point. That's, that's actually what triggered my cooking was, was this yeah. whole this whole special time that we're in right now. But I, ideally, actually, when I when I get back to California uh, in September, actually, um, I would like to get into some type of woodworking. I've mm. never been a woodworking person, but I have some friends recently that basically have you know houses now and they have a garage and they actually have kids and they're like how do i get out of the house and get away from my kids and get away from my wife in yeah. a sense and they go to their garage and they have their hobbies and i i not that i want to i love my fiance and i'm gonna love any child i have but i want to create some type of fun hobby that completely different like you were saying that is uh that you know nothing about that you challenge yourself with and whether it is something that you know, is, I guess, good looking or not good looking. At least it's your own challenge and it's within yourself. And so for me, I, I'd like to get into some, some sort of woodworking. Um, what yeah, I want to make, I have no idea. Well, <laughs> I, I've been watching uh, people make spoons on YouTube, carve spoons. Right? Yeah, yeah. And huh. very relaxing to me. Right, just to watch them. So, like, expect yeah. there's the, several Russian guys that do it, and it's in a different language. And so, it's like, you know, I just get to zone out with a <laughs> right. <laughs> They're like carving their spoon, but like, it's very meditative, right? Spoon carving yeah. doesn't require don't require too much equipment or or space or or anything really. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'm 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 
getting into construction again right now. And it's something I've always cool. done uh, my whole life, but I've, the past, like, several years, I've had other people do it. But, uh, yeah, with the whole Rona thing, well, even pre-Rona, I was, uh, you know, uh, uh, collecting my tools again and, and, and starting to put, put some stuff together. But, yeah, wood – Building stuff with wood, building stuff with metal, it, it's it's yeah. very it's very joyful. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, it's funny. I watch a lot of these uh, home shows, which I would never watch when I was younger, but I I love them now. And you know, they show these uh, a lot of people are using these um, shipping containers to create pools and to create homes with. And I was like, that'd be sort of a cool idea. I, w- I want to have a, so I, I've been researching. Not that I know anything about any of this stuff, but you know, I, I've been researching like how much is a shipping container? Where can I have it delivered to? You know, and it's like, wow, these things right. are so cheap. Um, so yeah, you know, there's a lot of fun things out there. I think a lot of people, you know, most people should, uh, no matter how rich or how poor you are, that you should always have a, another activity that makes you feel good. Gives you a, a break from yeah, life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Other than just, other than just smoking weed. Absolutely. Well, you can also smoke weed while you're doing it. While you do it. That's the beauty of it all. That's totally the beauty of it all. So, so Brian, back to your, uh, your, your traveling quest, you're, you're kind of not in Florida under your own design, really. You, you were, you were, you're kind of, I shouldn't say forced, but decided you were going to like stay in, go, go to Florida. Tell, tell us what's going on. Yeah, so my fiance actually was my girlfriend at the time, but now my fiance, uh, and I wanted to go on a six and a half month journey before we settled down, and we left at the beginning of March. We we're set out to do 13 European countries plus Morocco and Israel, and uh, during our first country, uh, which was Portugal, um, we got about uh, almost three weeks in Portugal mm. when uh, this whole coronavirus thing started. And uh, about, I guess, 19 days now uh, ago, we got a a message from the U.S. Embassy saying, look, you can either stay in Portugal for potentially the next two years, or you can get on one of the last flights coming back to the United States. And, you know, you got to figure out your own situation. And so we uh, got on a a flight. It was actually the second to last flight leaving Portugal. And we we didn't really want to go back to L.A., but we didn't want to go to New York and we wanted to be somewhere warm um, because that was part of our traveling plans was to, you know, do some European places that were warm <laughs> Yeah, in the summer. And yeah. So we chose Florida, yeah. which was actually not the greatest timing of choosing Florida because when we got here, they were having spring break. <laughs> oh, oh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> you know, and they, they talk about this whole virus is caused by, not caused by, but a lot of these people that were in Florida on spring break were not doing any social distancing. And when we landed no. here, we were like, Oh my no. God! What did we just come into? I mean, so, spring break for teenagers and college age students has nothing to do with distance, other than yeah. the distance <laughs> you traveled to go to spring yeah. break. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We first landed in Miami. We were in a hotel for two nights, then the hotels got all shut down, and now we uh, we're smart and we we moved a little north, and we're in Fort Lauderdale now, and we we got an Airbnb. And uh, not an apartment. We got a house so that we could be, you know, isolated mm-hmm. from other people. My biggest fear was someone in the building catching it, and then we're being stuck in an apartment for who knows how long. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's nice that we're in a house now. 
So let, let me back up for a second. So you got an email from the U.S. government that said you might be stuck in Portugal for two years if you didn't Yeah, leave? Yeah, we were actually smart because I – I don't know why, but I registered on the State Department's website um, what, mm-hmm. what uh, countries we were traveling to. So if there was a, you know, a disaster or something, an emergency, they know that we're there. <laughs> and they can help facilitate, you know, as U.S. citizens for us to potentially get back to the United mm-hmm. States. And so we probably wouldn't have gotten that message if I didn't register. But because I registered, they, they oh, sent wow. a, a message from the embassy saying that the embassy is now closed in Lisbon. And these are your options. You know, it's up to you to make your own decisions, but we're just giving you the options. Wow, man. That's incredible, man. So... So uh, your 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 six month voyage was was interrupted, um, and, and you were still work. You're still you still work daily on the cannabis cannabis Absolutely. selling, right? Right? Yeah, right. Using well, the internet. Just internet connection. You know, it's an int- it, We're gonna have to have a conversation after you get back to LA, but we're gonna talk about it right now. So, man, the cannabis industry was just like on on kind of a a roll right before all this. Like mm-hmm. it was at. I would say it definitely had a peak, um, mm-hmm. and I say this because a bunch of several big companies were falling out, and small companies yeah. too, and that's what happens yeah. when you hit a peak, yeah. right? Uh, one of the things, um, and so we hit. We've just had a peak in you know the cannabis industry in the country as well as 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 California specifically, and then the 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 Rona hit. Um, yeah. Now things are now things are changing. What, yeah. what do you what do you what do you think is going to change? I think the way that well, possibly the way that people consume. Um, you know, there's mm-hmm. different studies. The that, social aspect of it. Well, the social aspect. I guess you won't be able to pass the joint to each other anymore. That's mm-hmm. definitely not going to be happening uh, unless you're within family. And even now, then, man, still, been, uh, you never know. We went know. Rasta a couple of years ago, and we try to smoke our own joint. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because, man, I would just I, – I, I kept getting sick because, you know, I want to smoke everybody out. And so, like, now, man, I just like, oh, hey, here's a joint for you. Oh, here's one for me. Yeah. I'm like, I can never smoke this. Yep. I'm like, I take two hits to take it home. It's cool. I've actually always, always enjoyed – I've been for the past – I can't even remember how many years. Uh, I've only been smoking joints, and I've been smoking them by myself. I really don't like sharing my joints. I like mm-hmm. the first hit and I like the last hit. Last one, yeah. Totally. And all the me hits too. in between. Me too. Even, <laughs> e- even me and my wife smoke separate joints. You know, we go on our nice. dog walk in the morning. We both have our own. Right. So uh, social aspect, that's going to change. What else is going to change? I think the the way people are getting it. You know, I think that um, more people mm-hmm. will start growing at home. Um, the people that aren't growing at home, I think delivery is going to become a bigger business. Um, you know, as much as I don't want to say it, you know, well, hopefully one day when it becomes federally legal, I think there'll be a, an Amazon or a Grubhub type of a company that'll start delivering, uh, you know, your alcohol, your, your food and your weed with the same package. Um, mm-hmm. we'll see how that actually works out and stuff. But, uh, I, I see that delivery right now is, you know, becoming a more of essential, you know, way of, of getting your products. Yeah, California is unique too. in that manner is that they can get delivery, and a few other states do it. In Colorado, yep. we just legalized it up there, and or it's just starting to. In in Oklahoma, I think it's gonna be legal, but they're like, 
and it just hadn't quite figured it out. Right. But yeah, Florida, like, where we are now, it's the medical state. And um, they, I believe they just started delivery with the coronavirus to make it easier for patients. And mm. as much as I'm not a Florida fan at all because I'm not, well, my own political view, I'm, I'm more of a Democrat, um, you know, and this is a, a very Trump state here where we are. Um, but I have to say the way that they distribute medical here is, is good. They don't charge taxes. It's looked at as a, mm-hmm. as a pharmacy. No, um, which I think is how it should be for medical in other states. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, charge the taxes on the, the yeah. recreational use, adult use. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I, I think that medical patients should be able to, you know, they're already going through hell to begin with. Why tax them money that they mm-hmm. potentially don't have to save their own lives right. for, you know, smoking weed as opposed to, you know, taking Vicodin or whatever it is, other pills that they would take instead of the weed. Yes, I I, uh, I agree with you there, man. There's a, you know, medical is an excuse to make weed legal in many places. I'm totally fine with that. Uh, but hey, man, I tell you what, people also need weed medicinally too, and we got to figure out how to service both sides of that. Yeah, right. absolutely, I I agree, and I think as state by every state seems like they're doing something different. Unfortunately, nobody seems to really know what they're doing. Um, you know, I think maybe in the next two or three years, there'll be a lot of good examples of some states and bad examples of others. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there'll be something more across the board, you know, for every state that's that's the same in a sense and, and makes better sense. I, you know, one of my sort of fears now is that, you know, in California, excuse me, California, it's, you know, deemed essential. Um, during these times, uh, you know, all recreational and medical are open. But then I also see that some of these recreational places are not, you know, paying attention to their customers. They're not paying attention to their employees in the sense that, you know, there's no safety. There's lines out the door. Some companies are still having, you know, events at their dispensaries. Yeah, and, right. You know, that's, that's not promoting, you know, a, a safe yeah, man. environment. Oh man, you gotta you gotta stop and quit. You know, at, in Oklahoma, uh, at, a, at our dispensary there, Baker's Medical, we just sh- we just decided to shut the door. Yeah. Um, we we did this for a couple of reasons, um, but mostly it's because our our big business is commercial sales of clones and flour. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to make sure that we could keep continuing to do that. So we just schedule appointments to sell wholesale, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, then we just don't let the random public come in. We also have like a security mm-hmm. a- area, waiting area. So mm-hmm. we schedule people to come in. We put all their product yep. out there, and then they show yep. up. We let them in the door, buzz them in. Bzzz. Hey, there's your thousand <laughs> clones in the corner. Yep. Down them. Hey. And we talk to them through the window. They count out yeah. the money, put it yeah. in an envelope so we don't have to touch it. Yeah. That's another great <laughs> then idea. Take, then we take the envelope, spray it off with alcohol, yeah. and take it to the bank and make them count it. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and you know what? Right. You just said something that you know is I think what a lot of owners need to be doing. And I, I see it seems like that you know more of your clientele and who your clients are than most other dispensaries that are just, you know, the randoms coming in the door. Yeah. And that's one of sort of my 
my feelings, at least in, in my own opinion, that I feel that dispensary owners, especially on the medical side or even on a, a higher production side, should know their clients. They should know who their real customers yeah. are so that, that well, they can properly help them. <laughs> we're on a bus stop, and we're in a, a working-class neighborhood, mm-hmm. and a lot of our clientele comes from just the bus stop, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we realized, like, man, well, public transportation, there's absolutely no social distancing there, right? Yep. Like, there's just – it's just going to be difficult to, you know, to keep a, a safe environment by having the public come in. Now, man, I don't know if it would be any different if it was just a neighborhood shop and only neighborhood people came in. But, uh, uh, you know, an, an awful lot of our traffic is uh, the public transportation and Man, it's just, it's just, that's just a hard one. You know, yeah. you're, when I see people crammed in subways in New York, I'm like, what the oh. fuck? Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> right. Isn't New York only three miles long? Shouldn't you just walk? Yeah, totally. Or, or ride a bicycle? <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, I don't know. I'm, that's probably a misstatement, but yeah, <laughs> I know like, it's small. <laughs> it's small. A lot of people are lazy, though, too. Well, that's worldwide. Well, hey, I tell you this, man. Uh, you know the, our current like uh, uh, environment. You know, throughout Denver, people and Colorado and New York and L.A., you hear the authorities saying, "Okay, you can only work out once a day." <laughs> yeah, because yeah. like people are like, right. oh man, I, I, I gotta go do something. I'm gonna work out again. You know, and uh, I think we're going to see a resurgence in health after this for sure. Um, yeah. Hey, back back to our cannabis predictions. You know, you, you said how people consume. And, you know, mm-hmm. if, if it was a year ago, people would have said, oh, but well, vaping. I'm going to vape mm-hmm. because that's, you know, c- clear, cleaner, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if we had a vaping crisis or scam, yep. right? Whether yeah. it was really created. Right, whatever, but a handful of people died on illegal vapes. Yes. Right? Yep. Illegal ones. Yep. yep. And, but it affected the whole industry as a whole. But now people's perceptions on vapes are a little bit different. So before it was like smoking was bad. Now it's vapes are bad. I think edible consumption is going to go a considerable amount. Oh, it's going to grow hugely. Mm-hmm. I was someone who never, never really liked edibles just because they're never sure what you're eating. But now that they've really figured out how to, you know, microdose and right. come up with the proper dosages for edibles, I mean, you don't know sometimes what you're smoking. So it's like, you know, from someone who smokes all the time and you get this new type of flower and you think, oh, yeah, man, I can handle anything. And then you smoke this huge joint and you're just, you know, totally having a panic attack like I recently mm-hmm. had. Then, you know, you uh, – This was this was your first joint back from Europe or something? Yeah, I haven't smoked in 30 days. And I, I smoked my first joint, and I thought I had the coronavirus all of a sudden. And I, I thought my, my chest caving in, and I was shaking. I, I almost called 911. And uh, I had to call my brother and my sister and my mom. Like, I, I thought it was it. I thought I was, like, literally having my I'm last gonna die. Yeah, yeah. I, Aaron I, was I, like, I, wait, wait a second. Did you smoke some weed? Yeah. That's what actually I was. T- I talked to his wife, Rachel, and she's like, you're having a panic attack. You need to you calm down. You smoke some weed, right? Think of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> think of something nice in a happy place. 
you know, you'll be fine. And, and within like Hasn't 10 minutes, sugar. I was totally fine. But yeah. during that time period, the, the quarter I received in the mail, I flushed down the toilet <laughs> during my panic attack. <laughs> So now I have no more flour. This is definitely contaminated. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) And I I know better, but at the time, I didn't know what the hell was going on. But you've been eating edibles. I mean, my experience with edibles is is your tolerance raises on them. But, Mm -hmm. like, then you go back to smoking weed, and you you don't have a weed, a, a smoking tolerance? Is that how it works? I, you know, I don't know because I've never really experienced this before. It was That's sort of a first time. Okay. But uh, yeah, me neither. Um, I'm always eating edibles and smoking weed, eating more. Yeah, That's what I, that was my 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 biggest mistake was probably you know not smoking. I, I had a, a yeah. vape pen with me when I was traveling, but I don't know. Vape pens just don't really do it for me so much. And yeah, they, oh man, you got to have the good ones, dude. Man, uh, yeah. we we're talking about ABX and Absolute Extracts. They've got one. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, um, man, that thing is so good. It's it's like distillate rosin mixed or something. Yeah, yeah. that's just like taking a dab. That's great, yeah. great product. But those pens go very quickly. Oh like, yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. But when your grandma's yeah. house or the customs office, you could yeah. be like, oh, totally. hey, customs agent. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's the greatest. That's the greatest thing about. I, one of the greatest things I think about those is the you know oh, yeah. the being discreet. Um, you know, being able for that that mom and pop that you know want to continue smoking around there. You know, having kids but not wanting the kids to smell it or be influenced mm-hmm. by it. You know, that's one of the greatest mm-hmm. things for vaping. Um, yeah, you know, is the discreet part. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the other the, the the safety part of it is people usually don't share what well, I shouldn't yeah. say usually don't, but like often people have their own vapes and they just pick yeah. it up, they hit it, they put it back in their pocket. <laughs> absolutely. And there's not also any there's no if you you know like you just said in a public type of a space, you know, wherever you are, you don't have to pull out a, a bag and roll a joint and find a piece of paper to put it on or mm-hmm. whatever however you, you know you do your thing or if you're packing a bowl and, you know, having to dump the bowl out and mm-hmm. worrying about, you know, the amount of smoke that comes from either smoking a joint or, or smoking a bowl. Right. You know? right. like vape is very, you know, minimal mm-hmm. smoke that comes out and it seems like it disappears very quickly, you know, yeah. which, which I think Does it smell is, the same or? No. Nah. Yeah. yeah. And it's no, also, it's... actually, I think it's also cool that uh, there's a company which one of the companies we also featured in our magazine, Filter Labs which I believe is out of Colorado, possibly. Um, they created a, a patented um, filter, basically, where you could take a hit, either whether it's a bong, a pipe, a joint, or even a vape, and blow into it, and literally yeah, right. no smoke comes out the other side. Totally. Zero smoke. You oh, could wow. take the hugest hit in the world, and somehow or another, this little tiny thing captivate, captivates all of it. And I don't know what it does with it. I have no fucking clue. It makes it uh, very friendly to to pretty much smoke anywhere, which I'm a I'm a big fan uh, of. Yeah, yeah, I've seen similar type of stuff in the past. Smoke buddies, yeah. and you know, uh, I've seen the dryer sheet, paper towel roll. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. You know, you take the right. the toilet paper roll, stuff it a little bit, put the dry, maybe spray some cologne on it, blow in one <laughs> side, and it comes out the other side smelling like uh, cool water cologne. <laughs> Which is not a great smell, but when you're in a hotel room, right. it saves you from that two hundred and fifty dollar fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Wise words, wise wise words. So uh, consumption's going to change. 
people yeah. are going to people it's going to consumption's going up. Yeah, I believe. Right. I believe. And so. I'll say this because of the Colorado demographics right now. Uh, 50% of the sales are normally associated with tourism. There is zero tourism in Colorado right now, but the sales are so bad because yeah. what do unemployed people do? They smoke more weed. I was, uh, right? what I was stressed out. People do. They smoke more weed. More weed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was surprised when I was in Colorado. Like when you were asking me earlier about, you know, prices of cannabis in, in California and Los Angeles, when, uh, you know, so we were recently at this Canopy Boulder program in, in Boulder, and I tried out a couple of dispensaries in Boulder. It was like $12 a nice for, like, really good shit. And I couldn't figure out why it was so much cheaper in Colorado. More so, I couldn't figure out how they made any money. But it was really, really good. And I, I was really surprised, actually, by, you know, how good uh, the product was there. Not to go off of subject yeah. line, but since you mentioned Colorado. Um, no, Colorado has some really cheap cannabis for sure. Good chance. And yeah. Colorado and Oregon both have the cheapest, yeah. best cannabis. I'll say that. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. Cra- crazy market up there. I mean, people sell $500 pounds of indoor weed there. and uh, They also sell $1,200 pounds. Uh, from my from my perspective, I think uh, since the market's gotten a little bit harder, Colorado weed's gotten better, or at least it's it's separated. It used to all be like mm-hmm. kind of in the middle, okay, and mm-hmm. now it's some of it's starting to stretch and get better than it all. Yeah. It's, you can go into random dispensaries now, and you couldn't used to do this before, but you can go into random dispensaries now, and the weed smells good. Yeah, and it doesn't, <laughs> and, it's, and it's dried right. Yeah. Right, but it, it that used to not be the case. You'd have to search out the dispensary to go that had great weed, even though every dispensary owner out there thinks they got the best weed. It's just not true. <laughs> it totally is not right? true. Including yeah, myself, got, have, I know we don't. Yeah, you know, I know we don't have the best weed at our dispensary, but you know that we're providing a service. Right. Yeah. That's what we got. And sometimes and people actually. Sometimes people prefer the you know either lower quality or or what have you because they just, I mean I, sometimes I smoke you know some of amazing quality and nothing really happens to me and then I'll smoke something that has you know is, is a less quality and I'll get ripped. Yeah, well, you know, I get I get totally get ripped. That's the plants there, man. That's the plants there. You know, I I guess what I just you know that harvest and dry period is so crucial into giving that full flavor taste. Mm-hmm. Right. And and the smell, the aroma, like it's just it's so crucial. Absolutely. It's getting better in Colorado, in my opinion. Right. I think it'll uh, get better everywhere in time. I sort of, you know, I, I have yeah. this I have this thing I always say that I sort of see and I maybe you agree, maybe you don't, that I sort of see the cannabis industry a little bit like the beer industry. In the sense mm-hmm. that you have these bigger companies, you know, you got your Bud Lights and your Coronas and these bigger companies that We'll always be there, but, you know, after a while and you being, you know, uh, also from, you know, living in Colorado, um, yeah. all of a sudden you have microbrews, yeah. you know, and the, and the microbrews end up having yeah. way better quality. And I see that in the cannabis industry. I see these bigger companies that people all, you know, love and, and, you know, whether they have good quality or not. And over the next few years, a lot of these mom and pop shops that, you know, are sort of being pushed out of the industry, I think personally are going to come back into the industry as like this microbrew oh. type of a company. Oh, it's and happening they're now, man. Surviving. They're going to end up surviving way harder, mm-hmm. you know, way better even than these bigger companies. And you're going to have like these fat tire yeah. type of companies, yep. you know, for beer in a sense that 
anyone who doesn't drink beer, Fat Tire is a fantastic beer company. And so, you know, you'll have these type of companies that I think will actually end up uh, thriving a lot harder mm-hmm. um, later on. But like any business, you got to weed out um, the weed good ones out. and the bad ones. And right now in the industry, I think that as states come online and some states, you know, either go backwards or forwards, that that that's sort of what's happening. In my, at least in my own opinion. No, no, you're absolutely right. And we see, I mean, you know, we hear this term too big to fail, but uh, uh, that does not mean if you're a big guy, you're <laughs> too big to fail. You have to be really, 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 really big to not yeah. fail. And yeah. uh, uh, a lot of the big people are failing. I mean, this week alone yeah. in California, we had three big, big people say they were going to fail. You know, we've we've had uh, numerous Canadian operations fail. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. we've seen cash flow from all those Canadian operations now and all the U.S. operations, and they suck. And, oh, yeah. you know, people are, people are, you know, people are bailing out, dude, just shutting down left yeah. and right. But the small guys yeah. – the medium-sized yep. guys, they're actually holding their own. Yeah, some of the ones that decide to go public, you know, in, in thoughts that, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be these huge yeah. companies. A lot of them failed in that Don't in that it. regard. And then you have CEOs that started buying private planes and buses and, you know, very expensive cars. And, you know, and they, they drained a lot of their company's uh, wealth as well and, you know, just became too big too quick for all oh, the wrong man. reasons. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, dope dollars spend a hundred to one. Yeah, and uh, you know, <laughs> you just think it's gonna come in like no tomorrow, and man, fuck, dude, like it's farming. Basically, yeah. it's farming, and it doesn't yeah. matter if you're, you know, everyone's no one in the cannabis industry is shielded from that quote unquote farming activity. You know, mm-hmm. if you're an extraction maker. And it's bad outdoor season, then you're not going to have enough, you know, uh, extractable material. The extractable material is going to be expensive. You know, if you're, uh, you know, same same way with your uh, any type of ancillary company, right? If the you know you're selling equipment to growers and you know the farming sucks, like you know you're you're actually if. If your equipment seller and the farming sucks, you usually sell more equipment. And when the farming's great, you sell less equipment. Yeah. Right. It's funny. I, I see that now as well as in the, you know, for my side, being in, you know, an ancillary, but being in the media of uh, this industry, it's like, you know, when, when we started, there was no B2B, or not no, but very limited B2B media sources in the industry. You know, when I, yeah. when I was growing up, I would read High Times. And I would be so excited to see, like, this really cool bud with some guy wearing a bandana, you know, in the magazine. And, and that was exciting. But now, okay. I look, you know, coming forward, you know, and that, was, that was a lot of cool stuff because it was illegal then. So it was mm-hmm. really fun to read High Times. You know, now, you know, they've been pivoting left and right. And yeah, other right. culture and, and lifestyle magazines have also been pivoting left and right. And, you know, High Times just announced this past week that they're shutting down dope magazine culture magazine and they're even halting their own publication to get into the dispensary world and so there's a lot of you know pivoting even in this industry and for us it was you know we're happy that we're still surviving and we're happy that we're actually a b2b because i see that at least in the cannabis media side that you know consumers are consumers they're not interested in reading cannabis magazines but business people however uh in the industry it seems that you know 
they want to know what's happening. They want to know what's legal in their backyard. Can I grow? Yeah. Can I sell? Where yeah. can I open this? Where can I open that? How can I invest in this? How can I invest in that? And so for us, at least, we've been seeing, thankfully, uh, a growing trend, at least towards uh, the business-to-business side of the cannabis media. So You know, every single aspect that a normal business needs, the cannabis business needs. And yep. people, when they think cannabis, they solely think of growing weed or smoking. Yeah. Right, that's yeah. it. And, it, man, you need everything. That oh yeah, any other normal business needs, you know, from yeah. accounting to HR to like a recycling program and a garbage program mm-hmm. and like a hiring oh, yeah. program and a firing program. I mean, you need it <laughs> all, right? Yeah. It, it's uh, and there's so many services out there that people could transfer what they're doing currently and move into the cannabis industry. Yeah, right? they yeah. Just, I, sorry, it's funny you say that because I talk to people in normal insurance. You know, been selling mm-hmm. health insurance yeah. their entire lives, and now they're getting into cannabis. I, I have a friend who's a real estate yeah. person. He's been always doing real estate, you know, personal houses, people's homes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now he's getting into cannabis real estate. I know somebody else that does yeah. skincare products, and now he's getting into, you know, white yeah, labeling totally. CBD products. You yeah, know, yeah, and yeah, he's, just, yeah. he's just a packager. He's not actually making the product. He's just packaging. But, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, like, there's all aspects of the industry require all aspects of other industries. Oh, it's all just starting, man. It's all oh, yeah. just starting. Uh, well, man, you know what we should what we should do is uh, we we should have another episode in like a year. Okay, it's like April ninth now, so a- April ninth, two thousand twenty. So April 9th, two thousand twenty one. We're gonna do another episode, and we're I'll be at my about- fancy pool then. Yeah, yeah, there you go. We're we're gonna we're gonna see we're gonna see like how these predictions that we just made came true right yeah absolutely. and uh let's just recount what these predictions are one is uh, uh the social aspect of cannabis sales and consumption is going to change somehow yeah right uh uh the, the 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 big guys the big players are falling out and are going to continue to fall out mm-hmm. and which means like the, the smaller people from the mom and pops to just the grassroots organizations, they're going to take mm-hmm. over that, that market share. Absolutely. Uh, do we have a fourth prediction? I do, actually. My okay. other prediction is that I think that the in the vape market, a lot of the mm-hmm. um, products, not the, not the, the vape, it's not the, you know, the distillate or the live resin, not those products themselves, but the oh, actual but the hardware. Devices. The delivery well, that and the mm-hmm. hardware right now is all pretty much made in China, mm. and I see a lot of that product, the manufacturing, you know, of the vape pens, of the batteries, all that stuff, possibly switching, hopefully, over more into you know being made in the United States. I, I don't know how long people are going to be able to buy products from China. Will mm. those products still be able to be shipped into the country? From what I understand already, a lot of vape companies right now are having major problems because they mm. rely on yeah. hardware from yeah. China that they're not getting yeah. right now. And they're going to yeah. have to start, you know, worrying about how do we get these products? How do we get this hardware in the future? So I see a lot of, um, you know, overseas manufacturing of different types of products uh, within the industry being done here in the United States. And that'll also go back to, you know, in the sense of, you know, um, you know, other industries, you know, basically, you know, maybe you have like a GM type of plant that's starting to make, Cannabis, you know, oh, lighting, 
know, Same. extraction products bulbs. and things like all that. All the bulbs yeah. are made yeah. in China, Europe. Yeah. But all the bulbs are made in China, right? Yeah. All the lights, all the light components yep. are made in China. All the electronics yeah. are made in China, right? Yeah. Like some of that's going to change. You're, you're absolutely You know, you're going to have a uh, Baker lighting soon. Mm-mm-mm. I've done that one. <laughs> <laughs> Lighting's a difficult one, man. I've actually I, I've put up quite a bit of effort into it, but uh, you know, we we've had some uh uh we on the lighting, for instance, that's one of the hardest things because China really does make it all. So like I'm not sure like how that's gonna be able to change. You yeah. know, but uh like plastic bottles or polymer or yeah. you know I don't know. You know, and that's like in the polymer cheap. sense, I think maybe, you know, as, as hemp becomes more, you know, more universal, yeah. you know, there's so many things that you can do with hemp. And there are so many smart people out there that are already trying to do things with hemp that I think they're going to realize that there's a lot more mm-hmm. that you can do with the plants. And hopefully that crosses into manufacturing. And people realize that maybe that, you know, I don't know much about hemp, but I, from what everything that I read about, it seems that everything that you can use with normal, normal, you know, material, you can also pretty much do with hemp. Yeah. And so I, I think that there'll be a, a big change in the hemp market. I think that'll be more mm-hmm. uh, used on many different industries, not just in the cannabis industry, but, you know, the car making industry, you know, Ford made a well, car out well, of textiles. hemp. textiles. You know? Honestly, yeah, like textiles left this country totally. left this country 25 years ago and went to China and other places but yeah. China. Like will it come back? I'm not sure, but like, you know, hemp can help like supply hemp, cotton. I mean, we, we you know, cotton was why this country was really founded, really. You know. Yeah. For <laughs> like sure. Produce textile. Sure. And you know, people are building homes with hemp now. And they're doing everything. So I, I really I want to build I a see hemp that house. actually is Right, I, I see that becoming, and it's actually supposedly the articles and the videos that I've seen is is a lot stronger than wood. Um, mm-hmm. You mean, know, yeah, cement properly. basically. Right. Yeah, cement. So. Oh man, I'm building a hip house. That's the future. Okay, ask me about the hip house. January, I mean April ninth, two thousand and twenty-one. Twenty-one. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird saying that sometimes. I feel like I'm in total recall. It is. With yeah, these, no, uh, years. 21. Well, Brian, hey, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we got the chat, and I'm, I'm uh, you know, excited about what's going on in California. I look forward to hearing, hearing more about it in the, the coming months and years. Yeah, Matrip, thank you so much for having me on, and I really uh, enjoyed chatting with you. And, you know, during this crazy time right now, it's nice to have a good laugh and to talk about the industry and yeah. talk about its futures and its, you know, obstacles. But, you know, like you said, this is a, a strong industry. It's on the ground floor still. Um, you know, most states are, are still trying to, you know, get there. And I think after this virus, you know, clears out and hopefully this president that, uh, there'll be, you know, opportunities for federal legalization and with federal legalization, it's, you know, you get the commercials and all these three letter agencies will lift their bands and there'll be uh, a flourishing market. Mm. So, uh, thank you. It's all just starting, Brian. It's all just starting. Right, the next yeah. twenty years of cannabis, ganja, hemp are going to be incredible. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Great. Thanks again. Hey, this has been the Real Dirt with Chip Baker. If you like this episode of Other or Others, 
download them on uh, the Real Dirt Podcast on iTunes. You can also check us out on Spotify. And if you want, you can go to my website, therealdirt.com. You can look at all the episodes. We've got a great blog. You should join our Facebook group. Join us on Instagram, The Real Dirt Podcast. Love you guys. Have a great afternoon. Well, it was a great episode with Brian Weiss uh, from um, L.A. Cannabis News. And, uh, yeah, we have made some pretty good predictions. So we talked about uh, uh, the Rona. We talked about uh, what's going to happen um, here in the future. Uh, it's uh, it's exciting, man. You know, with every during every revolution, there's fortunes made and lost. And I'm not trying to sound like an asshole because this isn't a revolution, but it is going to be a social and cultural revolution with what's going on with the coronavirus. And we're going to change our attitudes on personal space, social distancing, um, and for the for the good for the good and for the better. But you know, there there will be opportunity. There always is opportunity and change. And regardless of what happens, things will change, and we're just going to have to flow with it. Uh, we can be the salmon and swim upstream, and sometimes I enjoy that. But uh, for the most part, like, you know, what's going on internationally um, with the coronavirus is absolutely going to change the way we feel about cannabis, the way we consume cannabis, um, and our, our social interactions uh, involved with it all. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see it all happen and see it all unfold. I mean, for instance, at Cultivate Colorado, Cultivate OKC, we have uh, set up a will call scenario so people can just call us and email us, and uh, we'll get their order together. And then when they show up at the shop, they just call and say, hey, I'm here. I'm here for my order. We've got it outside. Uh, we make a little exchange, and, you know, hopefully it's on credit card and you know, you don't have to uh, count out any money or anything, but we can do that too. And, you know, we've, delivery is a huge part of what we've already done in um, in uh, Colorado and in Oklahoma. Of course, that's all commercial, and often you have to have a loading dock or a uh, uh, or a forklift, but not all the time. Um, and so the delivery, uh, it's really stepped up as well. Um, and, you know, the reality of it all is it's it's probably better for people not to go to the store and just call up and have people deliver it or a will call scenario. So I bet we're going to learn a lot from this. Um, you know, I'm not sure uh, if my employees, uh, the people we work with, um, how difficult it's really made it on them. But, you know, there's a learning curve. So if you've had any, like, you know, instances or something where you haven't been able to get what you want and, like, Man, it's stressful times. Like you know, uh, uh, just take uh, take a breath. Be like, okay, bro, and uh, just try to reapproach it a little bit. Uh, but yeah, those are the, that's what's going on with us. That's how we're actively changing. I'm, I'd be interested in hear hearing from you on how the coronavirus has changed how you've interacted in your cannabis business. So send me an email. 
uh, send me a, a private message, post on Instagram or something, because uh, I am interested. Learn how it's changing for everybody. But hey, listen, in these bored times, when you're sitting at home and you're smoking weed, because everybody's consuming twice as much right now, and you want something to do, download one of the previous episodes of the Real Dirt Podcast. You can get it on iTunes, on Spotify. You can also go to my website, The Real Dirt Podcast, therealdirt.com. And you can see all our past episodes, everything. Um, man, if you're interested in any uh, cannabis, uh, you know, uh, products or clones or genetics, you can check out our medical dispensary in OKC, bakersmedical.com. Uh, if you're a commercial grower, we supply commercial cuttings there. And, uh, you know, like I said, if you need any grow gear, cultivatecolorado.com, cultivateokc.com, and it all starts with the dirt. So get you some grower's soil. That's right, our proprietary cocoa peat perlite blend we make specifically in a sophisticated state-of-the-art uh, indoor facility that's all ours where we only make this one product for you, growerscoco.com. Hey, love you guys. Look forward to uh, making another episode for you. It's coming here in just a few days. So check us out, therealdirt.com. The Real Dirt Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Love you. Real Dirt.